Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of It's Always Day One. Today, I've got Lisa Pierce coming to chat to us about packaging. Really excited to dig into this a little bit more. Lisa, do you want to give us a quick 20-second intro? Sure. Hi, George. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to do this. I'm doing what I really love. That's talking about packaging. So I've been a packaging media journalist since 1982, and that puts me at 39 years, um, almost at, at the big 4-0. Um, and I'm happy enough to say that I've never been bored, not even a single day in my career. So it's a wonderful industry to cover. That's, that's probably the most long-standing person I've ever spoken to in the, in the packaging industry. And I'm sure when I think I know a little bit about it, I know absolutely nothing. How, do, how did you get into it? Because it's a bizarre one to kind of get stuck into right it's not exactly sexy per se ah you would be surprised at how (laughs) packaging can be um actually that is the response that i get from a lot of people a lot of people don't um really think about packaging because it's just something that's there and something that you use as a consumer um as a consumer you don't think about it until it either doesn't work or there's something like totally totally cool about it it's either one of the two extremes and um yet it is a multi-billion dollar industry globally and um virtually any product that is produced and sold and used requires packaging of some sort, Mm. whether it be just to ship it from one point to another or to actually dispense a product. What what must brands be thinking about now with their packaging that perhaps has been different or overlooked in the past? Well, probably the biggest trend in packaging that is really probably a decade old right now, and you think to yourself, how could this be a trend if it's already been out there for about a decade, is it keeps evolving. And that's on the sustainability side of things. And we could talk for hours and hours about just packaging and sustainability in general, um, that maybe it would be good if we kind of um, narrowed the topic a little bit and talk about um, sustainability with e-commerce packaging, which to be a little bit more um, fresh over the last year because of the global pandemic, we have been seeing some pretty significant shifts in e-commerce packaging, both from a sustainability point of view as well as from just an economics point of view. Maybe we can talk about both. So, so yeah, let's dig into that a little bit more than you said there's been big shifts, and obviously I'm clearly not in the know. Um, what are some of them changes, and how, how can brands be thinking about implementing those changes? Well, one of the biggest changes over the last three to five years, so this is going even before the pandemic, um, but it's been um, accelerated because of the pandemic, I believe, and the increase in the number of products that are shipping through e-commerce 
And um, that has to do with um, designing packaging for the channel. So if you think about it, a company has a product. Let's just say it's a shampoo. It could be anything, but let's just say, for example, it's a shampoo, and they're selling it at your, your at a grocery store. They're selling it at a dollar store. They're selling it at a uh, um, a warehouse store. Depending on the outlet, you might have a different package. The dollar store is going to want a, a small enough pack to keep the price point down. A warehouse store obviously is going to want like a bulk pack. And so the brand owners have been learning over the years that delicate balance between having a package that's special for either a retailer or an outlet and yet not having so many different types of packages that from a manufacturing point of view, they're um, adding too much com- um, complexity to their production um and supply chain. And so it's always been for the, you know, it, there's a cycle that it goes through. Companies come out with new products and then um, they uh, um, try to uh, optimize their stock keeping units, also known as SKUs. And um, so we go from there. And um During the last couple of years, a lot of the brands have been realizing that e-commerce is a new channel, that they need to design packaging very specifically for this channel. And Amazon has been leading in this area because as a major e-commerce retailer, they're the ones who have been trying to make some packages work for um, shipping to consumers in the small parcel environment um, that maybe don't really work all that well. And any mm-hmm. Amazon does some alterations to a package to get it to uh, ship direct to a consumer as they do, they're going to charge the vendor back for it. So it's kind of just an evolution of e-commerce packaging that um, brand owners are starting to design packages specifically for this type of shipment. And, um, George, the shipping for e-commerce in the United States, and we're basically a, a U.S. publication, so I speak from the point of view of the United States, that there are... Um, a, a big differences in shipping what we call small parcel, which is, you know, mm-hmm. UPS, FedEx, um, the United States Postal Service, shipping it that way versus the typical um, new pro- or product distribution system in the United States, which, which is pallet loads, unitized pallet loads. And anytime you unitize a load like that, you're adding some strength and extra protections that the small parcel little box that gets, you know, put on a, a truck with a million other little boxes, it doesn't have that kind, that extra um, protection value to it. So um, that's a long way of saying that over the course of time, as e-commerce sales have grown, we've had this uh, back and forth between um, packaging and sustainability that e-commerce packages use way too much packaging. 
you know, products that you buy um, on Amazon have way too much packaging. Well, there's a reason for that, which I just explained. Mm. You know, the small parcel environment mm. doesn't have the same protections as a unitized pallet load. Mm-hmm. But so not only are brand owners recently within the last three or five years realizing that they need to design packages that fit the e-commerce outlet, but they're also realizing that sustainability, um, keeping in mind sustainability as they're doing this, this design for the e-commerce pa- platform. And what now does it then mean? <clears throat> the term sustainable packaging is thrown around a lot. It is. If you were to put a definition, if you had to put a definition on what that means to you, where would that sit? Well, it um, uh, thankfully, I'm not the one who has to come up with a definition because it already <laughs> exists. The uh, very smart and professional uh, colleagues that I know at the Sustainable Packaging Coalition here in the United States have a wonderful definition. And I don't know it by heart, but I do know that it uh, embodies a lot of different um, tactics. It could be reusable. It could be recyclable. It could use recycled content. It could use renewable materials as the, the raw materials going into it. So, um, it's kind of good news, bad news. The good news is there's a lot of ways that you can make packaging sustainable. Uh, bad news is that means it's that much harder to communicate to whoever it is that you want to communicate it to. And it could be, you know, consumers. It could be, you know, people who are reading your corporate sustainability report. A lot of things. But um, there's a lot of different options for brands to make their packaging a little bit more friendly to the earth. And I think at the bottom line, that's what we're trying to do from a sustainability point of view is to um, not damage the environment. Mm -hmm. And my follow-up to that would be, obviously with all these different options, reusable, recycled, Cold, renewable, recyclable <clears throat> brands in that product development process, or who are going back to look at existing SKUs and go, how can we develop this differently? How can we be more sustainable? They're obviously weighing up a number of things in their mind because there comes a cost implement uh, cost factor as well. Yes, that needs to be weighed in, as well as weighing that up against. Okay, do, do do our customers actually care? What examples of that have you seen recently? Where in some industries the the end user perhaps is less conscious of these things, therefore it makes it a little bit harder for them to go. Okay, we can justify spending an extra five ten percent on our packaging. Um, is that something you're hearing a lot of, or or are people just all in on it? Yes and no. Um, it was something that we heard a lot of in earlier days. And um, we've already passed the 50-year mark of the first Earth Day, which was last year, 2020. And a lot of people missed that very important anniversary because of the pandemic. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> the thunder away from 50 years of Earth Day. 
<laughs> unfortunately. But um, so it's it's not anything that is brand spanking new. It's just that a lot, like a lot of things in our lives, this last year the um, COVID nineteen virus has disrupted a lot of different areas of our lives. And one of them is a lot more people are working from home. And because a lot more people are working from home, a lot of the waste that they used to discard maybe at work is now Mm. being discarded at home. And all of a sudden, a lot of um, American consumers are like, wow, we generate a lot of garbage. Why aren't we recycling more? Uh, or, you know, why, you know, why is it, why, why do we have so much garbage? And so that has had a lot of people kind of rethinking their, the products that they buy and, and the packages that those products come in just because that awareness now of how much waste they're actually generating is, uh, you know, a, a lot more fine since the, the pandemic happened. I think it's, it's in your face a bit more, isn't it? I, we don't buy too much, but I know friends of ours, and I've been at their house when like the, the fifth package of Amazon arrives that day, and you're like, this is actually just an obscene amount of packaging. That is all, and it's in Australia, right? So they haven't quite nailed their packaging at Amazon internally. Some of the boxes are much bigger than they need to be. But you just look at it and you're like, this is a huge amount. And maybe you just don't realize them things because back in the day, you'd be at the office and you would just throw it in the corner with all the other big boxes and the cleaners would come around and that was that done. You went home with your rucksack filled with some goodies, happy as Larry, right? Yes, that's um, happening a lot in a lot of different countries, definitely. And um the folks at Amazon are aware of this, and they have been working toward minimizing the amount of packaging for quite some time now. It's uh, been more than 10 years since they started their frustration-free packaging program, and mm-hmm. that's been a pretty good success. But it was uh, really just a couple of years ago, and um, you know, I'm, I was looking into this because I wanted to make sure I got some of this right. Uh, when uh, they started another program, and it's still part of the frustration-free packaging program, but it's a little bit different. And this is something that started just in very early 2019. So we're just a couple of years into it. And what Amazon decided to do was to encourage brands to create e-commerce friendly packaging, which I, I said, you know, is just the last couple of years that brands have really been working on this as they realize that e-commerce is a large enough portion of their sales that they really should consider this another outlet and develop packaging specifically for this outlet. And um, Amazon decided to encourage brands to do this by um, incentivizing them in a couple of different ways. And, and one of the ways was to charge them, <laughs> incentivizing, um, it charged them for products that weren't packaged the way they should be for e-commerce. 
but um, but also to reward them for packages that were. And one example of a package that is designed correctly for the e-commerce outlet is what they call ships in own container. Mm-hmm. So you may have seen some packages that you order something from Amazon and instead of it coming in a brown Amazon box, it comes in the brand box, depending on what you buy. Like uh, one example could be dog food that instead of it being in the, the box with the Amazon little smile logo on it, that it's in, you know, uh, it looks like dog food, a dog food car. Mm-hmm. So that's something that they've just been doing for the last couple of years. And um, it's been a while since I've checked with them on the success of this program. But um, shortly after it was introduced, like I say, in early 2019, um, they had so much activity on it that I, how could you not deem it a success? So mm-hmm. I'm going to call that a success on their part. And this brings us on to kind of another slightly different topic of we're thinking about that delivery experience. And when I say delivery experience, I'm referring to that unboxing process, the initial um, reaction of receiving the item, how that makes you feel. And this plays into that a little bit more because your first touch point with the item isn't necessarily an Amazon box anymore. It's now um, it's now the brand's own box. So what can brands be thinking about to improve this overall experience from start to finish, whether that's receiving it as well as then unboxing, that unboxing itself, how pain-free that is or painful that is, mm-hmm. all of these things, what, what, what are you thinking about at the moment to make that experience as good as possible? Well, when the idea was first kind of thrown out there of more brands should be using their own packaging for direct-to-consumer delivery, whether it's from their own e-commerce sales or if it's through a fulfillment house like Amazon, a retailer, um, e-retailer like Amazon, um, that that initial um, thrill that a consumer gets when they get a package in the mail, it's like a gift. It's a gift to yourself. Um, It could be a gift from somebody else, but let's say you ordered it yourself. And the the outside graphics um, is your first touch point. It's that visual And there is that elevation in excitement when you see something that you kind of recognize as, you know, a gift to yourself. Now, I know when this um, concept was first being bandied about, there were a lot of um, naysayers saying that it's going to increase theft, uh, doorstep theft. Um, because mm-hmm. people will know what they, you know, what product that you've ordered. It's obvious from the outside packaging. But brands have been very clever about um, having some kind of branding on the outside of the package without uh, adding to the encouragement of more theft at the doorstep. And um, this is a very old example, and I'm trying to remember for the life of me the computer company that had a box that looked like a cow 
on the outside. Do you remember that at all? It was an American only. Um, it, I've never heard of that. <laughs> it was a, a white box that had, you know, spots on it that made it look like a cow. Uh, and you, you knew it was that particular computer company's product. But it could be anything inside. Gateway. I've got Gateway. Um, maybe it is Gateway. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've got a picture of the box now. That's quite funny. Okay. And it just looks like a cow. Like yes. A, it's very recognizable, but not necessarily something you'd be like, I'm going to go steal that box over there. Right. It is recognizable. But again, as you say, you, you don't know what's inside. So you could be getting, you know, some kind of peripheral that you can't, you can't use with anything. You, you're going to have to buy a computer to use it. Or you could be getting a full computer in there. You don't, you never know. But um, the whole idea of that is there are pros and cons to having a customer recognize the, the brand from the very instant. And so the rest of that opening experience, as you talk about, is very much connected to that brand. So it starts with the outside graphics. And I understand that there's theft at the doorstep. Um, they do it even with the brown boxes when they have no clue what's inside. And I always, for years and years, I've been encouraging brand owners, uh, don't let that deter you. The benefits of the, uh, the positive experience that you have with your consumers far outweigh the, uh, the negatives of potential theft at least in my opinion. So I've been uh, encouraging brands to do that for quite some time now. And once once yeah. they've gone through that process, if we then move on to obviously creating beautiful graphics or recognizable graphics, because like you said at the start, they're recognizing that gift. We can recognize there's three Amazon boxes sat there and that one of them might be that particular gift you bought for yourself that you're most looking forward to, mm -hmm. but it could be a lucky dip. We've all been there where you open up all three and you're thinking, shit, this isn't the one I wanted. It hasn't arrived yet. I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow or check my tracking again or whatever. This is rubbish. My day's ruined. We've all been in that <laughs> position, maybe not quite as aggressive as that. Um, so the benefits then of going, you're improving that experience because they can see the colored box. Like I said, I received an away travel bomb. It just said away blue on the side. And I knew straight away that's what it was. I don't often buy things that are that large. I don't buy loads of stuff. So it wasn't too challenging for me. I knew what I was getting. Um, but in bringing that experience kind of further forwards in some way, I'm trying to describe it, but I'm struggling so they're not oh, removing you. that guesswork. They're removing that guesswork. They see it and they can immediately have that kind of added excitement because they can see the thing they bought. They know it straight away. And it's that kind of endorphin hit. And I guess that's what we're chasing. Leading on from that would then be the getting into the box would be my mindset. Yes. What are we thinking about that? Well, consumers have clamored for easy open packaging for eons. I, I can't even say just decades. From the very beginning that we started to have packaging, which goes back more than 3,000 years ago with um, actually glass containers that, that uh, protected um, products in early, early days, um, they 
have have always wanted it to be easy open and there are so many technologies packaging technologies and packaging designs to aid that these days that it's um, kind of a shame if a brand owner doesn't take advantage of those types of easy opening it could be a, a thumb hole that then uh, peels you're able to peel from perforations to get into a carton it could be a, a tear tape that allows you to remove outer um, film maybe from a carton things like that there are closures now that you can use a little device a little button that releases the vacuum from uh, like a spaghetti sauce jar so that you mm. A, a lot less torque to open, a lot less force. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use a packaging term, torque. It's the same thing as force. <laughs> a lot less force to open that jar. And the thing about easy open packaging is it, a lot of times you think that you're doing that for a particular demographic, let's say an elderly uh, population that maybe has less dexterity in their hands and all. But the thing is, Easy Open Package is easy open for anyone, and it's delightful. It's absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. Here's where the, the joining of the graphics and the Easy Open come into play is it should also be intuitive for the consumer to figure out how to open, how do you get into this package, whether through color or, you know, an arrow, something uh, open here, some kind of easy instruction, and then making it easy to get into the, the package. So, yeah, that's definitely something else that I think all brands should work, should take the time, you know, take an hour or two. Um, I'm being facetious here. It's a lot, <laughs> a lot longer than an hour or two to design a package. Um, but, uh, you know, take the time to get, get that step right. Hey, folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. And I think it's taking the time, but also putting in more people's hands from different demographics, whether you give it to your your two-year-old child and see how they get on with it and get the old stopwatch going, or whether you give it to your granddad who's got terrible dexterity um, and get him to have a crack at it as well and see how do they solve the problem of where is the, the key, shall we say, whether it's that little flap and you get it all the time, whether you're opening tea bags, which has got the film around the cardboard box to prevent the dust, you still end up going to the top of it eventually and doing a bit of rip work or have to get a knife, even though there probably is some tiny little flaps somewhere which were at least the whole lot with great ease. But it's just not obvious enough. I think a larger percentage of brands cock up a little bit there than those that nail it. Um, in my opinion, because it's not intuitive enough. Um, and even with Amazon, I have it with boxes where they used to have their frustration free was very obvious. 
I think it's changed, maybe just because I've moved from the UK and they've got slightly different packaging gig over here, which would surprise me. But even with them, it's not as easy. I still require a knife quite often. So I'm, you'd think I'd be pretty good at it, having worked in the e-commerce space and at Amazon and seen enough of these boxes, but apparently I'm doing something wrong. Um, you're not, so George. Point's great. You're not doing anything wrong. You are in the same spot as all consumers are. Um, and it's kind of funny. I used to work with this one gentleman who uh, was new to the packaging industry um, initially, was new to the packaging industry, and after a, a couple of weeks, he was bragging to me that um, he's already an expert because he uses packaging every day. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of makes sense. You do. We're, we all are packaging experts in a way, and we all have our opinions on the, the types of packages that work and that don't. Um, but you do bring up a good question that it is that, um, you know, not, not just the time to develop packaging that is easy open and delights the consumer, but, you know, you're... I, I always say that there's always a reason why a package is the way it is. And it could be something as simple as that's all the manufacturer could afford. So mm-hmm. you are weighing the, uh, the, the cost of what it is that you're doing. Cause it usually does cost a little bit more to make it easy open. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. And it's then difficult. You're going, is it worth the cost? But, it's, it, it all comes down to how much. Yes. Um, and a, a lot of a lot of startup brands are obviously wrestling with margins, particularly in Amazon, who scoops such a large amount anyway. Um, it can be very tricky to bake that into it. But I think you've got to work like that. We're baking in a brilliant package, um, and we're looking to position ourselves perhaps as slightly more premium. And part of that is... The unboxing is fantastic. Once once they've got into this um, beautiful box, what are we then thinking about inside? Everything from leaflets, pamphlets, inserts, um, additional packaging, colored inside the box. What do you think about there where brands are doing it really well? Well, I've heard it from two different angles. Um, one angle is that consumers really like that personal touch. So you add a a handwritten thank you note or you wrap it um, in such a way that it makes them feel like they're opening a a gift. Um, Apple is genius at designing their packages for that opening experience, the layers upon layers of uncovering, discovering, and the emotions that go along with that, the positive emotions that go along with that. But as we've already talked about, there are so many consumers out there which um, who have the, the reaction of, wow, this is, and pardon my language, this is a shitload of packaging. Can't I mm. get to the product? Um <laughs> It's kind of like a, a balancing act of uh, delighting the consumer without having that, that negative feeling. And part of it is who it is that you're shipping to. Part of it is the product that you're 
that you know the the brand image of that product if you're um, selling a product that's got a uh, you know an earthy kind of image to it minimal packaging is the way to go the those consumers mm-hmm. are going to be a lot more insulted by extra packaging than impressed um, but then if it's a high priced item like uh, you know maybe going back to this apple example um, a high priced iphone you're going to want to you know, have those layers and layer, layers of packaging, mm. not only for protection, but for the the experience of opening. So it's like I, I don't have just one answer for you, George. I don't have one answer for the brands. It really does depend on the brand and the brand image and knowing how much protection that you're going to need to ship it through an e-commerce platform. Mm. I think I really, really like that point there about layers. I've never seen it described in such a way, but it explains Apple's strategy very well of it's like a kid at Christmas. If they've got 10 around the tree instead of one around the tree, they're immediately more excited because you've got more things to open and, like you said, uncover, discover, which is a really nice way of breaking it down. Again, that some costs come into that. And again... Some customers don't want that. But I think the the follow-up or the answer or the solution would be ask them. And the more you can involve your audience, your customer base in those, in those decisions, whether that's through <clears throat> little focus groups through email or little kind of weekly setups you have with them via a live stream, and you're asking these questions and showing them your new ideas and getting them involved and going, what would you like? That's an important part, right? Asking them because you yes. can guess all the time, but asking is so much more important. Trial and error is okay too, but um, this is an excellent opportunity for us to talk about some new technology in packaging design um, that's not limited to e-commerce products, but actually is being used quite extensively in e-commerce packaging these days. And um, that's the use of artificial intelligence and or machine design, uh, machine learning in um, designing packages for the e-commerce outlet. And um, before we get into that, I wanted to just make a quick note, too, from the communication point of view. You were saying, you know, do they put in a lot of brochures or, um, you know, information sheets and things like that? Nowadays, a lot of people are so used to the communication being virtual, um, whether you have a, a QR code that t- mm. to a website that gives you all the the information that you need, uh, um, instruction sheet or installation guide or something like that. So much of that is is being um, provided virtually now or or online. And part of it is to save on packaging and, and waste and um, looking for that to be a sustainability advantage. Um, but you have to understand too that there's a economic advantage for the brand owner as well to be able to provide it electronically instead of physically. And so there's mm-hmm. win-win together uh, on that. Not everybody has access 
to uh, electronic, um, you know, want to take the time to scan a, a QR code, but that's up to the consumer, at least the manufacturers providing this information. And that kind of and you could always kind of go, we're saving the environment. Here's a QR code of everything you need to know. Yep. yep. Um, done. Yep. And if you're struggling to use a QR code or your audience expected to struggle to use that, perhaps you would introduce some other stuff. Mm-hmm. QRs are becoming a lot more accepted now, given I think I use it about 15 times a day to scan into various locations. Um, so they're becoming more accepted, but that's a nice way of doing it. We're saving the environment. Here's a QR code. Everything you need to know is in here. Your videos, your walkthrough, your um, your warranty, mm-hmm. um, etc. And coming back to that AI, oh, gone. And it's easy to update to make sure that the information is as up to date as possible when you're doing it electronically like that. It's a lot easier for mm-hmm. the owner. Absolutely. And if we swing back around and finish off on the AI piece, yeah, um, I've read a little bit about this, of how clever it's becoming to get those insights from people in your target demographic without necessarily having all of the data yourself or the first-party data to go ask. What have you been learning about that recently? Well, we've done a couple of articles recently on one particular company, uh, Visit, as you had mentioned, mm. V-I-Z-I-T. And um, I don't, I haven't um, had an opportunity to use this platform personally myself. I've seen a short demo. But if you don't mind, I would like to throw out a question for us to just talk about in general about the use mm. of machine learning and or artificial intelligence and the impact on packaging design creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, these computer programs, you plug in all these options, all these design options, which is you know pretty much what packaging designers learn either on the job or are learned through schooling, education, the whatnot. And um, yet this machine, it's kind of methodically and coldly just going through options. Are options the same thing as creativity, George? Are they? I'd say no. An immediate response, short answer, if you wanted a word, I would say no. Um, like the work that I do with the Amazon Creatives Facebook group and the creative kind of platform I'm building, it's giving people options, but it's more options to inspire rather than options to choose from. So if you're looking for <clears throat> some packaging options, being able to see all the options is always good. If a machine can see all those options and marry them up to your target audience to narrow down what your audience would like, based on those options there. 100 options narrow down to 10. The designer takes the 10 and then creates something bespoke. That is a nice blend of both worlds there. Okay. Where there are, there are lots of options, and particularly with color schemes and stuff like that as well, things to think about. There are lots of options, um, but it also comes down to how good your graphic designer. If you've got a very high-quality graphic designer with 
years of experience, they're going to create better things from scratch. If you've got someone up work who's $4 an hour creating your packaging and is fresh out of university in, let's say, India, for argument's sake, perhaps they haven't got as a full and fuller understanding of the target market, the consumers, the type of brand that you are, the type of company that you're looking to become, the experience you want to create. Perhaps they don't have that because they haven't got um, some of one, the kind of the background from being in the locale that you're selling in or the background of we haven't got 10 years experience creating packaging. So they're not going to be able to create as many good suggestions to the brand owner. Right. So I've answered it a number of different ways there, but interested to see what your thoughts are. Well, um, I think creativity has to start from somewhere. You need, as like even just a writer myself, you need some kind of an input, whether it's a uh, idea or a word or uh, a emotion. And actually, I'm going to target in on that last word, that emotion, because I look at the uh, packaging design we've talked about this a little earlier too to make sure that the the graphics and the package design match the brand's image and i look at a brand's image as adjectives like how 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 do you describe your brand usually you describe it with adjectives now, how do you translate those adjectives into a graphic design, a package design? And I don't know that a computer can do that. So in some of the examples that we've seen so far on um, like Amazon using machine learning to help uh, with their packaging design, that is pretty much a computer analyzing the products that are going into a box and how to minimize the size of the box and still maximize the protection of the products in that box and going from there. And Amazon has been very successful in transitioning away from boxes and into padded envelopes to save um, not only just from a sustainability materials point of view, but also they save quite a bit of space and um, it costs less money to ship if they're able to reduce instead of using a box to go with just an, an envelope. So Amazon's been very successful in using this new technology, machine learning, to be able to redesign some of their e-commerce shipments. But to me, that's not quite the same as using artificial intelligence for the what I would call primary packaging design. And that's where I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm still, I, I got to say, George, it's, it's new. I'm kind of on the fence with it. I understand the value of it and the speed that you can cycle through a lot of different nuances of a design. So maybe I still think that we need that human creativity for maybe um, communicating the image of a brand uh, coming up with color schemes and the whatnot, and um, maybe having that that bigger discussion of what um, type of package we want to represent our brand. Is it a flexible package? Um, is it 
you know, clear glass because we need it to have that quality, high-quality image? Um, is it plastic, which, oh, my God, you know, as much as uh, consumers, there's backlash against plastic packaging these days, there's still so much value in it. And mm-hmm. so maybe it's some of those major decisions are still made by humans and, um, you know, tapping into their knowledge and experience and the research that they do into their consumers and then turning over those nuances of the design to a computer and the artificial intelligence. And um, one of the things that we haven't seen yet, and I don't, I don't know if the folks at visit have done this or not. I I, I didn't do enough uh, looking into this before we got, we, we um, had a chance to talk, but it would be really interesting to see Results doing it the new way, their way, uh, virtually, Mm. um, versus the exact same product with similar designs, if not even exact designs, through a physical um, focus group. And then Mm compare the results just to see how close the computer is to matching actual consumers. That was... That was kind of what I was going to say anyway. Is the proof still in the pudding? Yes, it of, is. Well, we can we can try three different designers and it could take us two months to get this design through or we could throw some data into the machine such as images, palettes, keywords maybe, mm-hmm. um, target demographics, these sorts of things and see what it spits out and take both of those and go, actually, we we found that the machine worked better for us. We got better results when we switched from the designer's designs through to the machine suggestions. Um, Having spoke, I spoke to the guys that visit about a month or so ago, um, and they kind of did echo the fact that designers still need suggestions um, and ideas, um, and that that's still... Um, required, Um, although don't quote me on that because I didn't record any conversation there. I think we were looking to do a future podcast. Um, But I think, yeah, the the, the answer is there is no no solid answer yet until we've compared the two. But it comes down to what's specific to you, right? If you've got a, a budget and you've got a time cap and you need something sent over to your manufacturer by the end of the day, Maybe AI is better to get something done and it's solid and it does 80% of the job. If you are looking to build more brand and that is much more important to you and you've got the gift of time, then you can spend an extra month really crafting them final pieces to ensure that this packaging is perfect for you. So it's time and budget, I think, also comes into it. Time, budget, and skill level too because uh, Mm -hmm. it's getting harder and harder to staff packaging departments with uh, with people who have the necessary experience and and the skill level um, it's uh, there are professional packaging professionals out there as odd as it is that you know it's a multi-billion dollar industry globally and yet the vast majority of consumers have no clue that packaging is even an industry in itself um, but I, I would say you're, you're on target with the, uh, let's see how this all shakes out. But 
Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting that I think something like this to keep our eyes on? I think it's, it's when I saw it, I was really intrigued. They they had some great stats to share, but you would do if you're any smart marketer of any successful campaign, you're going to share it. So you're going to take it all with a pinch of salt. But on the face of it, some of the redesigns they had done were very impressive. And visually, I thought they looked great. Did it take them 5,000 to get us to that point, perhaps? Or did it take them three, perhaps? Um, but on the face of it, it's an exciting time to witness AI coming into this. And it's still early on. Um, and no doubt it would develop. Um, I'm sure we could continue nattering away, but we've gone, we've gone massively through my 25 minute <laughs> normal time cap. Um, as you rack up to the 50 minute mark, but that's obviously down to a good conversation. Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today and rattling through some great topics. It's been my pleasure, George. Anytime. Thank you. No worries. I'll speak to you very soon. Okay. Bye for now. Bye. Hey guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website, it's always dayone.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.